Hey everyone, before we get started on today's episode, I want to tell you about a new smartphone that we love here at Brave Parenting. It is perfect for parents and children. It has no browser, no Wi-Fi, no social media, no games, no app store, and cannot send or receive images. But it has everything your child needs. In addition to making phone calls and sending text messages, it has a calendar, camera, voice recorder, music, stopwatch, and an alarm. Gab Wireless has released their brand new phone and you are going to love it. No more worrying about whether parental controls are set up correctly. No more worrying about what apps your child is installing on their phone. And the setup is easy because this phone was designed by parents for parents. We ourselves have tested this Gab phone with our own children and we absolutely love it. Even better, it looks great too. The Gab phone is an Android-based smartphone that looks as sleek and stylish as any other smartphone on the market. Even more, the Gab phone is only $99.99. Why pay hundreds of dollars for a smartphone when you can get everything your child needs at this unbelievable price? You also don't have to worry about spotty coverage. Gab Wireless utilizes America's leading 4G LTE network for only $20 a month with no long-term contracts or commitment. Compare that to plans by other major providers, and this too is a great deal for parents looking to save money. If you are considering a smartphone for your child, you can learn more about the Gab phone by Gab Wireless at braveparenting.net slash gab. If you use our promo code BRAVE19 at checkout, you'll also receive $5 off your purchase of the Gab phone, saving you even more. Again, go to braveparenting.net slash gab, G-A-B-B, to learn more about Gab Wireless and use promo code BRAVE19 B-R-A-V-E-1-9 at checkout to receive $5 off your order. And now on to today's show. Hi, and welcome to the Brave Parenting Podcast. I am your host and the founder of Brave Parenting, Kelly Newcomb. And this is where we hope that you get the encouragement, the insight, and the information that you need to raise kids of character in our media-saturated world. We know it takes a lot of hard work and courage to stay on top of technology as a parent and then decide how to incorporate that into your children's lives. So our goal is to keep you educated and equipped to raise those tech-savvy kids. Welcome to today's show. Today, we're going to be talking about the app IRL, Social Calendar, as well as what does it mean for our kids to have a social life in this world that is dominated by social media? Now, first, let's talk about IRL social calendar app. This app is ranked currently as number 11 in the social networking category. Now, the first fact is some basics from the company. They make some boastful claims, um, really as sort of clickbait in a way to sort of get you to feel like this app is, is wonderful and makes lots of promises. So one of them is, quote, we are the only social network dedicated to helping you plan the future. Definitely something our young people are going to want as they feel anxious and uncertain about what their future holds, especially as they near adulthood and college. The CEO and founder of IRL is quoted to say, we want to use technology to bring in-person experiences back in a way that makes it easy and comfortable to all. Well, we love face-to-face interactions. We want that for our children. So this begs the question, is this piece of technology this app really going to aid in those in-person, face-to-face interaction. 
Well, they also say that in order to combat trends in anxiety, depression, and loneliness, which we all know can be linked to screen time, IRL designed this app in order to boost users' self-confidence and take away the anxiety and social pressure of inviting friends to hang out in real life. Now, if me as a parent, I think to myself, or even as an adult, it doesn't really cause me a lot of anxiety or social pressure to invite friends to hang out in real life because if they're my friends, that should be a a natural occurrence that's happening. But for our kids, it may be different. They may not be used to hanging out in real life if, for example, we've allowed them a lot of access to online communication. They may be more comfortable doing that over through the phone or through the screen. The question at hand is, does this app per se specifically actually boost the confidence and enable people to hang out in real life? Or if they're anxious to do so over digital communication, wouldn't they be even more anxious to actually hang out in real life with people? It seems as though digital communication should be easier than asking someone in real life. So there's kind of that question. I also feel that that subtle language of saying, hey, we're here to take away all of your anxiety and social pressure is is really kind of a, a hard promise to keep up, especially because they also say in their marketing, quote, never miss out on fun again. And also, quote, live your best life and do it with friends. Well, we know that our kids often feel this, quote, fear of missing out, right? This FOMO. It follows them everywhere because there's always a concern that they're going to miss out. It was the same maybe underlying concern that we had as children growing up um, in another generation, but now they can see it in real life through social media, through instant digital communication. And here they're saying, you're never going to miss out on fun again, which again is a bold promise to make to young people. Now they say that the app makes it incredibly simple for users to find and create real-life events, activities, and experiences that matter to them. Okay, so that's great. It's easy to use. They say they use a series of personalized algorithms and that IRL works to present the best events based on the area, personal preferences, and mutual friend interests. So basically, it's going to work just like all other social medias in the sense that the algorithm is going to analyze what you've liked, who you're, what your friends already like, and it's going to recommend those events as well as events in the area. So fact number two, your account. When you download the app, you're able to sign up with the account with either your email or your phone number, and then you verify that you're over 13. Now, by default, your account is private, which is great. We love private accounts by default. However, others can search and find your name and then request to follow you. Now, having a private account does make you slightly safer, but in reality, anyone with a private account can reach out and then follow anyone else. So even though I make my child, say, have a private account, they could still reach out to a 100 different strangers and follow them and still gain access to maybe um, content or a, a world of communication that I didn't want them to have. Now, once you have your account, you can create events to be either personal, to be for friends, which are people you invite, or you can create an event that is public that anyone near you can view. Okay, fact number three, some safety concerns with the IRL. 
If you enable the app to track your location, it will then provide suggestions, of course, for events for you to attend based on where you live and what area you're in. Those public events may be concerts, comedy, sporting events, that type of thing. Now, the app is going to make money to revenue for themselves for providing the app by selling you tickets to those events. So a lot of times it's pushing a lot of paid events. These aren't always, hey, I'm going to see the new Star Wars movie, who wants to come? Although you can do that. But the app itself is definitely going to push paid events um, on its users so that it can then, of course, generate revenue. Another safety concern is that every event offers its own chat feature. So this allows for communication with strangers also viewing that same public event. For example, if there was an Ariana Grande concert that was being publicized on my IRL social calendar, I could then show interest and get into that event. And then I could communicate with anyone else who may be interested in that event as well. Well, that as a public event is then opening up this digital communication with strangers from either all over my area or all over wherever someone had said that they're from this area, if it's a large city or a small town. Ultimately, we really can't control who they're going to communicate with inside this app. And to be honest, we can't be naive about those who are controlling what we see and um, what we're being shown in the world, considering these algorithms. We don't know who's programming these algorithms. We think, oh, they're looking at my interests, but they could also be looking at your age and targeting things to you that they believe you may be vulnerable to sort of accept or want to go. Maybe that's a certain musician or an artist or an entertainer. It could be a political rally, all sorts of different things. And it very well may not align with the values or the views that you may want your child to be a part of. While that may be okay when they're their own adult or nearing adult age, definitely at younger ages, definitely something to be a little bit concerned of as to what sort of marketing and media push this company could be showing your child as to suggesting events that they should go to. Fact number four, this app is absolutely social media. They sort of market itself as a social calendar, but there is no denying that it is social media. It looks and feels a lot like Instagram. You can follow others and others follow you. Essentially, instead of sharing pictures, you're just sharing events of where you'll be. So really, this app actually could be more dangerous potentially than Instagram, where you're sharing a picture. Here, you're actually saying, this is where I'm going to be. Other people join me or, hey, I'm going to go to this public event. Other people may know. Because the app does encourage that location sharing and allows for that chat feature and connection with friends as well as strangers, again, that's what makes it very publicly social. Um, The IRL app also allows for in-app internet browsing, something that we talk about a lot, especially for young people. Maybe you are blocking or wanting to disable their access to the internet or especially adult content on the internet. This app would allow children to use the app and then access the internet and search whatever they want, and it would never show in their search history as maybe looking for pornography. It would only show in their search and in their usage that they were using the IRL app. All right, finally, 
the ratings and parental controls of IRL. The App Store of Apple rates it as 12 plus. Google Play rates it T for teen. And we at Brave Parenting really give it a 16 plus rating. Ultimately, a child without a driver's license who really can't drive themselves to any desired social gathering really has no need for this app. It's just as easy to communicate digitally, whether that be over standard text messaging or maybe it's over um, Instagram DMs or some other form of communication that you have allowed. There's not that need to have an entire separate app to manage their social calendar. So the app sort of falls into the category of yes for 16 and older, but again, is it necessary? It's real easy to do that same thing of to communicate, to look on other social media platforms or even do a Google search of what's happening to communicate and find those events. With that said, we really do highly recommend that parents encourage their children to hang out in real life as much as possible. If your child does feel anxious or not self-confident enough, as the app kind of talked about, in arranging those sort of interactions, I highly encourage you to be proactive about it. Be willing to say, hey, did you want me to drive you to the mall? Did you want me to drive you to the amusement park or to wherever it is that kids in your area may hang out? Do you need me to coordinate with any other parents? Do what you can do in order to get them face-to-face as much as possible. I know sometimes it feels easier and almost safer, and I really believe that's just a lie of the enemy, to have our kids at home, inside our house, with the doors locked. Maybe we're not home. Um, Maybe we are home, but we know where they are. But if they have access to their phone, social media, the internet, Ultimately, we don't know exactly where they are and who they're communicating with. Face-to-face interactions not only build communication, it builds relationships, it builds life skills, it builds so much more than what they're gaining digitally through maybe just hanging out in their bedroom, jumping from social platform to video game to texting to maybe a FaceTime call. So we need to encourage them. That really brings us to our next topic which is what does it mean for our kids to have a social life in this world dominated by social media? Well, I think it's very important to note that social media is not a social life. If you allow your children to have social media, that's one thing. They are expressing themselves. They are communicating and keeping connected with their friends in certain ways. That's all well and good, but that is not a social life. That should not be the end-all, be-all. We should still see our children getting together with their friends, with acquaintances, and actually spending some one-on-one time together. Now, I think it's important, and most parents and experts will agree, that there comes a point in time in our children's lives that you actually give them permission to be friends with whoever they want to be friends with. Grant them that autonomy is something that, you know, as a, a a growing um, teenager, a young adult, they need that autonomy to know that they can choose who they're going to be friends with. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to allow them to do whatever they want with those friends. For example, you may allow them to go to the movies in your hometown, maybe even go out to eat, but you may not let them go to an all day or all weekend music festival 
where you don't know what kind of people are going to be there. It's going to be in a very public space, or you may not allow them to travel to another city a couple hours away in order to go to an event, right? But when it comes to things that you know in the area that you know, it's okay to let them have that autonomy and experience that social life of being together out face-to-face with friends and others their same age so they can learn to relate. Now, it is important that we as parents remain involved in the safety. So like I said, you have to set those boundaries, but we don't want to set so many boundaries that they just end up at home, on their bed, interacting with all their friends over social media. That is not going to definitely not make them confident in social interactions as they continue to grow older into adulthood, if they go to college. They should be able to walk out your door confident that they either have one, two, maybe 10 friends that they can go be themselves with and that's not causing anxiety or any sort of lack of confidence. So when it comes back to the apps and and what sort of apps we allow, while we want to let them grow in independence, we have to be that discerning voice behind them saying, yes, an app like IRL may be beneficial. It may enable you to see what kind of events are going on. And it may just depend on what kind of town you live in. But ultimately, it is just one more app. One more app that's going to have their personal information. One more app that's going to be feeding them content. One more app that they're going to spend more time on. And in a world that's vying for all of their attention, and all of these apps are so enticing and so consuming, sometimes it's just better to just say, no, we don't need that one more app. And as they get older, they can really discern what apps do I really need in order to manage my social life, in order to manage my banking, in order to manage my schoolwork. That's where we want to lead them towards. So if your child is asking for the IRL app, I would definitely ask some questions of them and say, why do you think that it is that you need it? Do you have friends that use it? Are you missing out on different things because it's being posted there and not other places? Is there a reason why your friends? would not invite you over a text message, and they would only post it there. Those are all good questions to ask. Be a good listener. Listen to what they have to say. If they just happen to have a group of friends who all use this app, maybe you could make a concession and allow it. But again, make sure you're keeping that dialogue open and always, always, always promoting face-to-face in real-life interactions, whether they occur originally from a text message or from an app or whether they picked up the phone or they walked across the street and they got together with someone that is the most important thing as we raise our children that they balance the technology and media with the real life relationship all right well that brings us to the end of this episode hey if you missed anything in the show or you want to learn more or if you have a story about maybe the IRL app or anything else please Email that to podcast at braveparenting.net for an in-depth look how you can build strong character using this technology kids love. Please pick up a copy of our book, Managing Media, Creating Character, available online at Amazon. Hey, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. This is how other people are finding our app as well as finding that encouragement and insight that they need to stay on top of technology and media. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Brave Parenting Podcast, where we believe that character is greater than media, and every child 
needs a parent brave enough to set a new standard. Until next week, go and be brave. <laughs>